FCS football podcast with Joe DeLeon. Well, let's get fat. And Sean Anderson. I am a soothsayer. You're tuned in to the Believe in FCS football podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Sean Anderson. We are your go-to source for in-depth analysis for FCS football from the minds of two former University of Rhode Island football players breaking things down based on the film and analysis behind and further than just the hard news surrounding Division I AA football. Folks, this week we were expecting to be talking about the wide receivers heading into the 2020 season. We were expecting to continue on with our position previews, but with what has been going on, we have to have a, a bit of a, a detour in the path of preparing for the season. As you've probably already noticed, there have been very significant shutdowns for conferences at the FCS level, and it hit a high point, a significant high point to the point where we had to straight up reroute this and discuss what's going on. We have Craig Haley on of Stats FCS, who's going to talk with us later today uh, in today's show. Sean had a wonderful conversation with him, so you'll get to hear that at the end of the show. We, however, are going to cover everything that's been going on. So as we've already touched on, the Ivy League is shut down, the Patriot League is shut down, then the MEAC shut down. But Sean, what really shocked a lot of people, because we were expecting, as we said on this show, a lot of the small conferences were going to go first. I had predicted that the Pioneer League or the SWAC would have been one of the next conferences to go. But the CAA, the conference that Sean and I deemed to be the best conference in the FCS, the conference that Sean and I played in for four years. Besides (laughs) the point, they shut down. They decided that they are not going to be uh, pushing a fall football season or a fall sports season in general. Now, they did leave the door open for teams to seek out an independent schedule like James Madison, but Sean, I was pretty sideswiped by seeing this. I don't know about you. I was not expecting the CAA to shut down this quickly and this early on. It is. Uh, it was um, heartbreaking, to say the least, because uh, if, if we go from a broad standpoint, it's it's scary because you're like, how much else is going to get shut down? Because these are some some teams that are, are pretty well loved and respected, and they're they're high up in the FCS. Uh, they they give good games to FBS schools. All of that in that realm, they shut down. You're nervous for all other FCS. That's really uh, it puts that into perspective. Like, oh gosh, maybe everyone else should start getting a little on their on their p's and q's. But from a, the the player perspective. And if we're diving deep, I just feel so badly for all of our teammates um, that were underclassmen while we were there, and because we know how hard they worked, and we've worked with them, and we know the th- the, the the throws that a, a college football player has to go through through the highs and lows in the off season, just busting your ass every day trying to get ready for the season, and then get ready for camp and trying to be good shape for that. And then you're just ready for it. You're ready for it. You're ready for, for some actual football, some hitting, some some just to be in it. And now they're not in it. And a lot of them are seniors. And you think about what would have happened if I was a senior when this happened. Would I? Uh, how would I take it? How would I deal with it? I, 
you know, I was in a weird spot because of the the injury and all that, where it was it was it was a it was less impactful, I guess. But when I think about these guys that are that are going up and they're trying to have a really good season to put on film to go to the next level, it's it's really detrimental to to a lot of college football players. And unfortunately, uh, from my speculation, I'm nervous that it's going to be more college football players to come that are going to be put out. The way that I look at it, and you bring up a lot of really good points, Sean, this is a horrible thing for specifically seniors and guys that were expecting to play their final season. Terrible timing, really derails some of these guys' momentum during the offseason. They didn't get to have spring ball, and now their season is just straight up ripped out from under them. The one thing that I tweeted, Sean, Yes. And I think this is a really good message to to follow along with. If you are one of the players that are currently in this situation and it might end up being every single FCS player that ends up in this situation, you lose out on that last opportunity to play, but your school, which should happen, I can't imagine that any conference or school, uh, scholarship school not having this happen, if they still honor your scholarship, which they should, Use this time to your advantage. This is a uniquely rare opportunity. And I know that doesn't sound like an opportunity. It sounds like a time in which things are crashing down before your very eyes. But at the same time, if you are still on scholarship, use this time to your advantage. Use this time to focus on your academics in a fall semester, which you have never been able to do. And also, you'll still be practicing and lifting. Use this time as the perfect opportunity to get yourself right academically on path, finish up strong, and then in perfect position to have an incredible final year. Don't be the guy that goes and sits in his room and plays video games, drinks too much on the weekend, does dumb stuff. Okay. Use okay. This. It sounds like we're getting a little specific here on, 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 on oh, who oh, that God, person that, is. Come on. It feels that's like, not what I'm oh, saying. No, that definitely <laughs> felt like an attack. Uh, people, Stop it. Joe that's DeLeon, not what I'm saying. He knows who he was, he was talking about there. That's not what I was saying. You <laughs> yeah. know we both have done that before, so I, don't I, act like I was when referencing you specifically. When I heard the drink too much, I, you know, you re- I really felt like you were coming after look, your co-host look, all, and your friend here. I thought we were friends. The, the, the better, look, what I meant to say, so don't get fat. Don't waste your time. Don't overeat. Focus on ways to better your body. I didn't. I indirectly did it again. Just say oh, what man. they should be doing instead of what they shouldn't be doing. How about that? What you should be doing is focusing on your future. Use this opportunity to take this gap of not losing any eligibility, maintaining your scholarship, possibly grad transferring somewhere if you can do that. This is something that is never going to happen again, probably. And if it does, it probably won't be for another another hundred years. This is the only time that that anyone is going to be in this situation. It almost makes me think, Sean, what I could have done with that extra gap time of year if that would have been what I needed to maybe push myself over the over the top and been even better than I was when I was finishing up. Basically, you know, don't live in Virginia. Don't buy uh, uh, Naruto sweatshirts. Uh, don't grow oh, a goatee. Stop it! You know, stop. don't don't do any of these things that just big old provide, losers do. <laughs> pro- provide some real input. You know, I wasn't taking shots at you. I'm all. I, I was also fat my senior year too. So don't act like we weren't <laughs> both ordering Dominoes uh, during the uh, spring at one in the morning. Uh, you want some uh, input? I 
the best you can do is stay positive. Find some, you know, stay stay close to your teammates. I think that's that's really staying close to the teammates. When I was, uh, whenever it got bad with football, you just feel like, like, what am I doing here? And every player is going to go through it, whether it be camp after a bad game. Um, say you have two bad games, you're like, what, what's going on? You know, what am I doing? I, I want to just be uh, buried. Stay close to your teammates during this time, okay? Because that's the most fun and the best group that you can be with right now whether it's FaceTime, playing video games with them, whatever you can do, uh, because when you get out of it, you're really away from them. And then I just remember how happy I was to go back to camp and and see all of my teammates. And it, it, now you are going to be away from them for even longer if you're not reporting to practice. So try to keep that bond, try to stick together, because that synergy is really a thing. And the, the more you spend time with each other, I think the better the team is. So uh, just try to stay connected. If there are any players listening, that that's my advice. And again, this is an odd situation. It's weird, awkward waters to try and navigate because no one has ever been in this situation before. But always look to find the positives in the situation is the way that I, I like to approach it. Again, very bad situation but also seemingly a good opportunity to take advantage of we, we have also seen though this week Craig Haley tweeted about how oh the uh, Ohio Valley Conference co- uh, commissioner uh, Beth debouch saying that they're prioritizing safety for student athletes but they're gonna do whatever they can in the coming weeks and month to make sure that they can play some sort of a fall season. Now, I can't guarantee, or and also she can't guarantee that that will work out, but it, there are conferences that are making the effort to make this work and not have a complete and total shutdown like the CAA has done. I think one thing that has to be discussed now, Sean, is why is this possibly happening? And we talked about it a little bit last week, but the more blatant answer is that these conferences are not like the SEC or the Big 12 that have negotiated TV deals with Fox Sports that pays them millions of dollars. These teams are not getting huge revenue shares from those TV deals. These are small conferences that if they make any money, they make it off of ticket sales and also the sponsorships sold in their stadium. They rely on the funding from those sponsorships and some of the ticket sales to just be able to run their program because in some cases these universities do not provide enough uh, financial help for them to properly operate so they need that extra money for them to be able to do so so now if there's nobody in the stands you can't sell sponsors so then that is just a significant amount of money that is not in play for you able to properly handle this season as well as the extra money needed to test and safely keep those those players on the field. You're hitting it right on the head. Uh, if it's not – a lot of schools are not financially viable as is. And we said this last week, uh, especially with the football programs, it just takes a lot of money to, to deal with a lot of players. Uh, so it's not necess- it's not like a basketball team where you got 15 players. You got – some schools, 100 players. You see guys doubling, doubling up jersey numbers, and that's even without the the walk-ons and, and red shirts uh, being included in there. 
So I think a lot of people underestimate how much money it costs to actually run a, a football program and host a football program without a, a, a terrible virus uh, swirling around the airs. So without that, with this occurring, it does not seem viable in the least. No, and, and one other thing that I hinted on last week that I still want to stand by as a potential factor that isn't even really being considered by some people is the insurance companies that have somewhat of a hold in these situations. They have influence in these decisions because if someone gets sick and they have to possibly put them on a ventilator or just in general send them to a hospital – the insurance companies for the schools are the ones who are going to be footing the bill. So if those insurance companies don't want to pay that amount of money and say, look, if you're going to force this without our permission, we're not paying out any of those claims. They have a right to do that. The way that uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of drawing this from a, a very similar but indirect example is with the fields that shut down during the beginning of quarantine and you couldn't get on a high school field for a period of time. A buddy of mine told me he talked to the mayor in his town and said, you know, when, when can I get back on the field? Because I need to get some field work in. And she said, well, I wanted to leave it open, but the insurance companies were the ones that did not want to handle uh, any additional liability. Sean, where do you see this possibly moving up even further? Are, are we going to get all of the FCS conferences at some point, or is that just being pessimistic? Uh, I don't, I, it's all speculation for me. I think this week is going to be the week where it all gets determined. Cause then it's we're we're at the 20th and teams report. Uh, they can start reporting as early as the 28th of July, I think. Uh, so you got a week until the earliest are going to report. And then we always reported last, last week, last year we reported August 1st. So you can't go sending up a hundred kids to school and then three days later or two weeks later say, hey, you know what? No, pack it up uh, because that was a huge fiasco uh, this past spring uh, where every school was getting evacuated and everything was getting uh, out of control. So I think they're trying to control it. So this week, I mean, you could see I could see three more conferences going down. I could see it all going down. I could see. But I also I mean, maybe uh, the big sky or Missouri Valley is like, hey, you know, what? we're going to try it. We're going to try it. And then it's only two, and then what are you playing? You're not really playing for a playoff. Uh, it just it doesn't seem realistic for me to say I expect FCS football to be uh, to be there come September. It, it doesn't seem realistic. Uh, now you know if the NFL makes it, okay, there they've got resources on resources. But I mean the SWAC is still swimming and alive. It just the the Pioneer League is still uh, – are they still up, Joe? Damn, I can't the yet. Pioneer League is, is still one of the few conferences that yeah. is, is has not made a decision, even though that was one that we predicted. Yeah, Pioneer League. That I, I just can – It's it would be um, irresponsible, I guess, to say that I think that any of these other conferences uh, think that they are uh, better suited against this beast than, any, than the CAA. I, I don't think anybody's projecting hubris onto the Missouri Valley Football Conference. So I think that they are just dealing with it and trying to figure out uh, how to break the news or how to go about it at this point. I also think it's that and also some of these conferences analyzing and saying, like, okay, how could we possibly make this work 
and trying to work out any of those final possibilities and, and uh, contingency plans. The, the, what I'm drawing upon for what I think is going to end up happening, and this is not a negative outlook, this is a realistic one. I, I, if you're a podcast listener, obviously you enjoy this show and you don't listen to Move the Sticks, I fully encourage you to go check out their episode where they had Bruce Feldman on, who is, I believe, with The Athletic as a college football writer and analyst. And he was talking a lot about how things are currently being impacted right now. And some of the stuff that was brought up on that show and another show that Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks did separately, the reasoning for more conferences continuing to shut down is for what I highlighted. The fact that these uh, programs rely on what you get from the gate, what you get from people coming into the games, buying suites if your stadiums are big enough or if they're small, making money off those sponsorships in, in, in that sense. If, if you can't get that, it could go as far up as conferences like the Sun Belt or the, um, I'm just trying to think, C-USA. maybe the MAC to, yeah, Conference USA. It could end up working its way up to Division One FBS, because of those conferences being in slightly better financial standing, but in relative sense, not too far off from what the FCS is dealing with. And, and if they'd be in a situation where they might have to shut down, you can probably bet that a lot of these FCS conferences are going to be in much worse and um, difficult, more difficult scenarios. I, I think that what we're going to end up having happen based on what is the most realistic thing, because we are not going to be able to have fans in the stands as of today, things could very well change. I'm not guaranteeing this is what's going to happen, but we could really only end up seeing the Power 5 play in the fall, and then in the spring, we get the Group of 5 playing and then the FCS playing, and maybe there's some way to cross over those two um, waves of teams to some extent where you could have some inter-level competition more than just one team, possibly having multiple teams from the FBS coming down and swapping and playing each other? Uh, it, it feels like... It feels like... A, if they're sending... If everything else is canceled and the Power Five's going, I get it, there's a lot of money on the table, but I, we get back to the point of you don't care about the player safety. And and if I was a, a, a player, I'd probably be like, shoot, let me get out there and play. Uh, mm. So it's, it's such a, a, a terrible... Com- combination of factors. It's okay. We have schools making statements about money. We have schools making statements about safety. We have players making statements about safety. We have players making statements about wanting to play. So you have all these factors going into each other. And I don't know if anybody knows what the right move is. I don't think anybody does. I think that your solution uh, might appease uh, the most people because FCS could still get their games in possibly. And it's all, this is all possible um and you get the power five so you deal with the money if you really have to pump in the money uh to, to go to player safety you do that no players in this, no people in the stand you're, you're ch- taking temperatures and checking all that it, it's just so complicated to, to break it down and find the perfect solution that's going to please everybody but then at the same time are you trying to please everybody or are you trying to keep everybody safe and then are you trying to keep everybody safe or are you just trying to make a buck so your institution doesn't go completely under? So I, I don't know. I don't know if enough credit is going to the to the problem solvers of this. I know a lot of people like to crush them and say you had this much time 
well, there are new breaking news updates every day about what you can and can't do. So when I see people, uh, and we were on it too. I was on the other side of the fence with the MLB saying you had this much time. But at the same time, it, it, it didn't have that much time to develop these ty- these types of plans. And football is even worse because you're touching everybody every play. Uh, it is a, a phenomenal grouping of, of terrible I guess, possible consequences. And what do you do, Joe? I like your plan. I like your plan. I'll say it. Uh, that's not my plan, but plan. I, I like I, that plan. I'm kind of going off of other things that I've heard in very, from various people, which is allow the power five to play because they have the money to possibly keep those players secure and safe and be prepared to shut things down. If things get bad, if, if there is some form of an outbreak, I think that, like I said a while ago, I forget where I said it. I think it might have been on Get to the Point, where it makes more sense to have Texas play Texas A&M and Texas Tech and Baylor mm-hmm. rather than asking them to go travel uh, all the way to Kansas or somewhere crazy or um, you know having I'm trying to think of another like Louisville go down to Florida State in the ACC instead of doing that. It should be a regional schedule and then an interesting map towards playing in a national championship. But what you have said, I think is the clear thing here. This is also an issue of player safety. If you don't, if you know for a fact that you can't properly keep the players safe, which is going to be so much more difficult than it would be for the, a, a entity like the NFL. If you can't guarantee it, do not do it. And I know a lot of fans hate to hear that. I I know that Colin Sutrick is mad at the CAA for shutting down because he can't watch the Blue Hands. I get it. I'd be frustrated too. But the reality of it is you have to keep these guys safe because if things start to get bad and you have an outbreak and a couple kids have to go on ventilators on various teams, we're going to be we would be very very. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. We remorse. It would not. There would be yeah incredible remorse for feeling like we needed to force a bunch of. Uh, 18 to 22 year olds to play. And one of them is in serious health concerns. The other thing too, is think of the amount of coaches that could be exposed that probably aren't in the best health condition. Sean, we had a multiple coaches on our coaching staff that I think if they ended up having with it, it might not have been very, it could have been fatal for some of the, uh, the health situations for some of those guys. So it's just Sean from UNH shouldn't, uh, I don't know if he should be exposed to all that. Yeah, I don't. I like. I don't even know how you'd be able to do that. There are so many uh, contributing factors, and I'm just trying to provide the perspective of a former player in the way that I'd look at it. I would want to go out there and play, but at the same time, if I if I knew a bunch of my teammates were getting sick, I think there would be an absolute panic in the locker room. Uh, based on that, right? Yeah, um, it definitely would not be uh, a fun environment. I definitely I don't know how how comfortable I would be. I mean, you can find if you're if you're all masked up and and I wear long sleeves and sweatpants everywhere even in the summer. So I, you know, I, I got the mask on. I'm never that uncomfortable because I go ignorance is bliss. And I don't know who has it. I'm not saying I don't go around thinking, uh, oh, you right now that's checking me out uh, when I'm trying to buy uh, some dinner. You have it. But if I'm in a locker room with people like that and I'm right next to and we know. Uh, that people have it in the locker room, that's going to be like, what am I doing here? Why can I shower yeah. in the in the ref locker room or something like that? It, it just, I could see that that happening. And the other thing too, if you remember, every single year that we played, 
We didn't even have enough lockers for every guy. You had, you yeah. had guys in the middle of the season sharing lockers. Everyone's on top of each other. There's few programs at the FCS level that have big spread out locker rooms. We had a pretty nice locker room, and we were still all on top of each other. There's just a lot of contributing factors. The, the last thing that I kind of want to talk about before we get to hear from Craig Haley is how can this possibly impact draft prospects? At the FCS level, you have uh, Dylan Radons, who some people are calling a first rounder. You have Spencer Brown, who a lot of people are saying if he played this season, he could find his way in in day two. Uh, Drew Himmelman from Illinois State. This is a, a very rare year for FCS talent that could go very, very highly. If those guys don't get to play, are we going to be in a situation where during the come the spring, they decide to opt out because they're signed with agents. I, I think that that is very much a factor because then those players would be in such a difficult situation because um, if they did play in the spring, they'd have to wait until the complete next draft process. It almost makes me wonder if these smaller programs that are going to end up canceling their seasons, if the NFL should just straight up do a supplemental draft and allow those guys that they are intrigued by and have the talent levels to, to come and compete for a roster spot. There, there has to be some way this time or by next spring uh, that we can figure out a way to get, get a pro day going for some of these guys. If that happens, there mm-hmm. has to be because they're already getting less exposure. You're already going to get less, exp- even less exposure during this with seasons canceled. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with the combine. And if, if, if that's going to be able to happen, cause that's just guys pile on top of each other. And then it, there has to be some way to to just have uh, uh, find a way to do exposure. Do a te- I, I mean, if you're if you're one of those guys, if you're like Radons, who who is already being projected as a, as a top touted, or if this was happening next year uh, and, and Lance was was eligible to go, uh, then maybe they don't play and they just say, okay, I'm gonna have to prove myself a little more when I get in there, but. Um, uh, I, I'm not going to go in and risk this. Okay. But for that's not the majority of FCS guys. The majority of FCS guys are guys that, that we played with and against. We know how, how hard it is to get the exposure, and they know how hard it is get, to get that exposure. So there has to be some type of way to get a pro day happening uh, regionally. That That's just how it has to be. Yeah, and I, I think that might be the best possible solution to round up maybe a, a separate combine of draftable guys. I mean, even if you have people who opt out and then go participate in the NFL combine, maybe at the end of that spring season, you decide to say, all right, we're going to uh, NFL pro personnel. We want these this list of guys to come check out and see after their season. Realistically, hopefully, you could get the season in from February to let's say March draft is in April. It would be very limited time to make that decision. And the other thing too, that I've heard thrown out there, Sean, if you think about this, we're going to end up having some guys that will go out there, play four really good games and then say, all right, I'm done. You know, I'm all prepared to, uh, to sign with my agent now where I'm going to get ready for the draft process Mm -hmm. because I don't need to show anything else. You know, why would I risk uh, waiting all this time of possibly getting sick or, or hurt? Right. If you're in that position, I, I don't know if I could hold any animosity, even if I was a teammate or were, because uh, then that means if I say that happened with uh, with Murph this year playing left tackle, he did four games, and then if I was a, a, a and he he dropped out, then back of left tackle is like okay, well now 
you know, that's that's a, a bummer because Murph is really good, but now I can have my opportunity. Uh, and that that's a very, very uh, small scale of, of what we're talking about. But I, I think FCS guys really root for each other in circumstances like this more than uh, a lot of uh, – I, 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 I'm not even going to compare. No, I think FCS guys root for each other a lot in situations like this. I didn't think there was any envy – uh, that I ever saw with uh, our teammates or, or heard of with any of the guys that I ever trained with about about a situation like that. So uh, I, I think if if they do decide to do that, and they think it's in their best interest, and they got a good agency that they're with, then so be it. You know, everyone's going to have to to go through this same climb. Uh, so all we can do is support them. Join with us now on the FCS Football Podcast presented to you by the Believe Podcast Network is. Stats FCS uh, senior editor Craig Haley. You can find him on Twitter at Craig Haley. Puts out all things FCS, covering just about, uh, I'd say, even more than Joe and myself do. And uh, Craig, I wish I was calling you on on better terms, uh, but uh, the given circumstances in this FCS landscape are just obviously heartbreaking uh, so far in the last couple weeks. You're, you're right, Sean. I mean, it's you know been one domino after another falling and it just seems like it's leading up to really bad news where there'll be no season. Um, you know, we're not quite at that point, but you know, the writing is on, it seems to be on the wall that, that, that we could be headed that direction. I, I got to get right to it also. Uh, who, who do you think is next? Uh, I, I saw you tweeting out a bit about the SWAC, uh, possibly being the next I've seen, uh, uh people saying that this Monday is going to be, uh, a possible chopping block for other other conferences. Who who do you think is the next domino to fall conference wise? I think that's true. I think the SWAC is next. Um, you know, they've already lost the the MEAC canceling its season fall season, which you know eliminates um, you know the MEAC SWAC challenge. It eliminates the Celebration Bowl. Not that the SWAC couldn't move on and have their own season, but. It does put a you know a damper on it. Um, you know, you they've lost some of their classics uh, that they like to have. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it, it just seems like you know that's another conference that's about to fall, and there'll probably be some more. Um, you know, the big one obviously so far would be the CAA not having a, a conference season, which you know one of the big three in the FCS. Right, and and now it. Now that we've seen MEAC uh, canceling, CAA canceling, Ivy League canceled, Patriot League canceled, if everybody stay, if every other conference stays upright, how how will this affect the the upcoming playoff for the well, for the yeah, FCS? I, I think if everybody else you know has a season, at least a conference season, and then you could probably you could have a playoff. I just think we're getting pretty close. You know, if we get to you know seven conferences announcing this. This by the end of this week or or into early next week, you know, the, the end of July. Once we hit a certain point, like and not just say seven, you know, is it valid to have a playoff? You could probably make the case against it. Um, you know, uh, Jeff Bourne, the uh, AD at uh, James Madison. I, I asked him the other day on a conference call about what would you know be a feasible number. Uh, for a playoff and, you know, a number of teams out there to, to, to constitute a, a playoff happening. And, and he said you would hope for 50%, uh, if not more. I, I think, you know, you definitely probably need a little, you know, you definitely need that number for sure. You don't want to drop under 50% of schools playing and then trying to have a valid postseason. So 
I, I do think once we get to around that maybe seven conferences, then then the FCS playoff system is in trouble. Right. Uh, I, I've been wondering, uh, for, for some reason, my, my first uh, thoughts when it came, when I started seeing the cancellations is, is, why are they doing it right now? And then because I've been out of player mode for about six months now, I forget, uh, oh, it's July 20th. If I was playing this upcoming season, I'd be going to camp in uh in 10 days basically so with this crunch time happening is there is there uh, is there any chance we see any any possible fcs guys trying to make a last minute dash to an fbs program with possible uh more uh, chances of a reliable season or would that happen come springtime if everything gets bumped to the spring uh, basically, how do you see the, the the possibility of transfers developing within the next nine months? Well, I mean, if if it's a grad transfer, yes, obviously you can do that and be eligible immediately. I, I think if if somebody tried to make the move to a different program right now, if somebody's season is not going to be contested and they wanted to move to another school, FBS or FCS, that's about to play. You know, at this point, they would have to get a waiver from the NCAA to allow that, it, that may take time, uh, more time than the athlete would want. Um, you would hope the NCAA is understanding. I, I think in recent years they've kind of been understanding on, on different issues where, you know, we, we've, you know, had uh, players in six year of eligibility. And then this year, Justice Reed, who, was, who transferred out of Youngstown State, is actually on his seventh year of eligibility because of past injuries. So I think the NCAA has been understanding more understanding in recent years with those waivers but at the same time it's it's undefined whether they would allow that kind of move right now in this situation make it quick enough for an athlete to to be cleared to to move to another school and be eligible right uh i i get stuck in that is this the biggest fish to fry at the at the junction that we're at uh but then another thing looking down the line here uh, are we? Or can we expect another possible down year in the upcoming 2021 draft? Because this past year, uh, a lot of FC, FCS guys missed their pro days, uh, got less exposure than than all previous years in a, in a in a draft class or a senior class that was expected to be uh, a pretty well touted uh, going into the the draft itself. And we saw uh, a, a shockingly no, low numbers, uh, low number of FCS players getting drafted. Uh, and I, 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 we chalked that up to to the exposure factor. Uh, could we expect the same thing coming up this year? That's a, that's a great scenario, uh, Sean. I think we in a normal year here, if everybody was playing and and, and we didn't have, we weren't in a pandemic and everything was normal, I think next year it would bounce back for for the FCS for sure. I mean, obviously, having only six players drafted this year was just you know a terrible number, but at the same time. The 2019 draft, there were only 13 FCS players. That was the low, you know, at that point. And then, you know, it was cut in half this year. So we already saw a decline, you know, a year ago, um, you know, before this, you know, the, the pandemic and, and and not being able to have pro days and the exposure. So I, I do think we've, we've kind of dropped, the FCS level has kind of dropped where, yes, they're not going to average 18 or more where, where they've been doing, they had been doing that for a while. And the reason being, um, you know, we've lost quality programs that used to produce 
uh, NFL players, prop quality programs to the FBS level. For instance, App State, Appalachian State, they haven't been in in, uh, in the FCS level since, I believe, is it 2013, I believe, was the year they moved. At the same time, they tied for the most FCS players that were drafted during the decade with seven, uh, App State and Montana. That just shows you a program like that was only here for three, four years, and still tied for the number of FCS players. You know, you lose a Georgia Southern, you lose a, a Liberty and some of these other players, you know, a Coastal Carolina. Uh, you know, it really, you know, hurts the FCS number of athletes that could be drafted. And I, I do think we would be lower than 18. It would just be a better year than six, for sure. Right. That, that was definitely, and we're still pretty new to this FCS scene, but we're looking at the talent. We're looking at the the uh, the bowl invites. We're seeing how how well a lot of these players are doing uh, at, at these and the combine, it was a ton of FCS guys. We were super excited. We're like, wow, these it's a lot of exposure this year. It felt like more, it felt like it was going to be a, a, a boom year, and it just took us down. Like, ah, man, we're watching the the latter rounds, the later rounds of the draft, and it, it was just taking the life, the life out of us uh, yeah. to, to, to see that. No doubt. I mean, it, you know, I, none of us really saw it coming to the extent that it happened. I mean, we knew the lack of pro days would, would obviously, you know, hurt the number, but to only have six, you know, was, was just terrible. And I believe four of the six weren't until the seventh round. So it really did take the life out of us as an FCS level, as you mentioned. Now, Craig, uh, with the, um, I was reading one of your articles and you were discussing the, uh, the JMU situation. And I, it, around the CAA, it had already come out that, Stony Brook, uh, Coach Priori, stated that they're going to be pursuing a 21, 2021 spring season. But you noted that JMU uh, is is opting. They obviously said we're looking out for the best of our players and the concern of the best, what's best for the team and everything like that. Uh, the possibility of an independent schedule. Uh, could you could you tell us a little more about that and how that would work uh, for the listeners? Yeah, in a conference like the CA, where there's only a few teams that uh, you know are definitely playing, you know, that would want to have a fall season and, and you know like a jmu can have a, a home and home with an elon which is still in the mix for for wanting to play this fall um you know you, you play you know they could do that have a home and home they can you know pursue other regional teams you know like a jmu could pursue regional teams uh where you know it's a it's not a flight where you can do a bus trip you know schools are trying to you know, avoid, you know, flights and, 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 you know, having large, you know, too many people traveling that way. Um, obviously, I think you would probably play multiple FBS components. Like the CAA, you know, the schools usually play one per year, but I think to fill out a schedule when you're trying to keep it regional, you know, a JMU and Elon is pr- are probably going to have to play two or three FBS schools. If they're going to have a you know, an eight or nine game schedule. I don't think anybody's going to be playing eleven games this year, like like the NCAA is allowing this year for for the FCS. So, I just think you know it's going to be a mixed bag. You know, a team like a JMU, if if they're playing some FBS schools and don't get wins, and you know they finish the regular, if they were to have like a four and four kind of regular season, five and four because of their schedule, they're still going to be an attractive you know playoff team, provided there's a playoff system, but. You know, if your if your conference isn't playing, though, you know most of those schools are are looking to have it as a spring season, as you mentioned, at Stony Brook, and you know that these conferences that have 
post, you know, cancel the fall season are all saying we're looking at the possibility of the spring. Everybody is, is doing that right now. Whether it comes to fruition, we'll see. Now, Craig, one thing that's really interesting uh, that I that that I've been seeing, and the CAA one got canceled, unfortunately. But the virtual media days, I, I see that uh, Southland's doing theirs on Wednesday, uh, NEC is going Thursday, and then Big Sky is going Thursday and Friday. Uh, with your participation in it, what what is that like compared to the the regular media day, which I was uh, lucky enough to go to last year uh, in Baltimore for the CAA, and I. I love that experience. You know, I got to finally, you know, talk to coaches. It was it was a little weird because I was still a player at the time, uh, but it was still a, a pretty cool atmosphere. The, the virtual media days, is there more of a morose tone in the room or is, or is everyone trying to keep a little more uh, levity? Well, hopefully not. Um, I think, you know, that you're, the, the drawback is, you know, you're, there's one one speaker at a time, one question at a time where, where, you know, say a student athlete who's on a, you know, in a conference call, you know, a virtual media day where there's 30 other people, well, they may not get as many questions. Uh, anybody will because, as they normally would at a actual media day in person because, you know, it's, it's like one at a time. I, I think, you know, that kind of feeling is going to depend on the questioning. You know, I think the conferences are going to try and keep it upbeat, you know, really you know, feature their poll, their preseason um, team, and hope that the line of questioning isn't strictly about uh, COVID-19. And, and I'm, I'm sure it'll be a, a, a mix of, of, of both, but it, it's certainly not the same. But, I, I you know, it, it's better than not having, you know, a, a, a any kind of media day, preseason media day. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's definitely true. Everybody, uh, this is Craig Haley. Uh, from Stance FCS Senior Editor. You can follow him on Twitter at Craig Haley. Uh, keep up with your FCS news through him. Always tweeting, always active. Great follow. Uh, and um, just wanted to thank you, Craig, so much for coming on. Uh, it means a lot. Thank you for the great uh, information. Sean, I really appreciate it. You know, follow closely what, what you and uh, Joe DeLeon uh, do, and uh, I think it's been great work. really adds to, to what's out there for, for FCS followers. So I, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in for this episode. Obviously, a difficult topic to discuss. We might potentially have some additional interviews for the remainder of this week. But going forward, the goal is going to be continually updating you, our listeners, on what is going on. And then hopefully maybe there are some conferences that are competing and we can still preview those position groups once we figure it out. But in the meantime, we're going to play it by ear, see how things are going. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Craig Haley as well as our discussion in the beginning half of the show. Be sure to go follow uh, me at Joe DeLeon and Sean at Sanderson Radio as well as Believe Podcasts at BLEAV Podcasts. Uh, In addition to that, make sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you may be listening to us. And also, um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it, we are there. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.